Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with courage, compassion, and conviction. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always is the pastor of Building 28 Church, Aaron. Yeah, I went out of order there a little bit, but the three C's just have to get in anyway. They're in, and uh, I think this is the beginning of season two, so they're in. One of these will be the beginning of season two. We're we're kicking it off well. All right, today, we got back by popular demand here on Out of Oz, Vicar Tim Miller. Woo! Yeah, yeah. The, uh, That's good. We should add that. The, like the, ja- the Jaguar fan. The, uh, I, I'm, I'm here. The I'm, CrossFit enthusiast. I do not CrossFit. I do cheer for the Jags, okay. and I'm excited to be back. Season two. Season two, man. Hey, we're ready for this. And we got an interesting topic on top, but we also have a lady that I have not gotten to know too well, but she seems like a great, awesome, Thanks. delightful person. Uh, Virginia, <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about topic how terrible. Specific. It's topic specific. Uh, That's terrible, what we need to do. Uh, my intros are, but anyway, Virginia Dyer on the podcast today, and she has an amazing food blog. I think she also sells insurance, too. Oh, so if you need that, let insurance? her know. Yes. Let me know. There, there you go. There you go. What kind of insurance, Virginia? Auto. Auto insurance. All right. Awesome. Anyway, thanks for being on, Virginia. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being on, Timmy. Hey. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on, Pete. All right. Let's get into the topic, right, which I'm roll. a lot more excited about than I was 48 hours ago since I realized what a big tiff this was in Christian since culture. Since you realize you can speak truth into existence. I, I don't know. I, I can be convinced today. There's not a lot of topics that we have that I can be convinced on, but this is definitely one. So I hope we have some disagreement here and some some argument for both <laughs> sides, and I will play devil's advocate as I like to do. So today we're talking about some of the most popular worship music in Christian culture. We're going to hit Elevation, Hillsong, Jesus Culture, Bethel, and the like. We're going to talk about their music and whether or not there are any issues, sin issues, biblical issues, theological issues with your church playing that music. I want to get into us just listening to that music for leisure, what that can do to the church, and kind of how we can make the decision as Christians and for Tim and Aaron as church leaders, how you make that decision. And then Virginia and I on like just members of the church and Christians walking through our lives listening to this music. So to start out, Aaron, why don't you just tell us why why is this an issue? How did this become an issue? Why is this a decision you even have to make as a church leader or as a Christian? Well, like you said, I mean, these are the most popular. If you're in evangelical Christianity for more than five minutes, you've heard a Hillsong anthem. It's, I mean, at some point, they they go way back. I mean, they've had multiple bands come out of Hillsong, Sydney, Australia. Um, Bethel has, has gained popularity. They're really a late 90s movement, but they came from other movements, late 90s. And so... But in the last, I'd say, decade, maybe they've gained a, a ton of notoriety through their music primarily. And then Elevation Church with Stephen Furtick has gained a ton in the last eight or nine years um, of followers. And and I think the thing, while all these movements are different, the thing that that kind of unites them is their music is a vehicle on ramp to their movement. Like that's right. that's the number one thing. And so for each of them, the Bethel worship, which was Jesus culture as well until about three years ago, but they are they introduce people to the movement of Bethel and the beliefs and practices of Bethel. Elevation music introduces, even though Furtick has a massive platform already in its own right, but they introduce people to Elevation and especially Hillsong. Um, Hillsong introduces people to the entire movement of Hillsong. Um, so the issue is, first, it's all, there's always a little bit of caution in us when something is this wild and popular in any movement of Christianity, because the church historically has not been very popular from age to age, culture to culture. And so when something is this popular and it can, it can seep over into mainstream so easily, you start, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, but it raises a little bit of warning, a little bit of caution for us as believers. Um, the, the caution then becomes uh, legitimate for us when there are, and I think it's, I know we'll stress, but it's undeniable if we're going to take scripture seriously, then in each of these movements, some of them worse than others, there are some major theological errors that exist, which leads us to ask the question, are we okay with singing songs, leading songs, listening to songs um, of bands that represent movements that are promoting doctrinal error? Do you guys agree with the, just at the outset, that there are theological issues with what these movements teach? 
Yes. yes. I, I don't think there's really any any question there. Um, as students of the Bible, when when you do listen to their teaching, not so much when you read their statement of faith, which is kind of amusing to me, because when you mm-hmm. read their statements yeah. of faith on their website, they're they're pretty close with the with the majors. And there's some of the peripheral stuff where we're like, eh, but with with the major stuff and well, Furtick went to Southern, didn't he? Yeah, I mean the core tenets of their faith line up with the core tenets of Christianity. But when you listen to their teaching and their preaching and some of their singing, that's when you start, you know, you start to question a few of these things because you realize that that's that's not in line with uh, with Scripture. What about you, Virginia? What do you think? Yes, there are definitely theological errors in their teachings. Um, I agree with you. I was looking at the statements of faith for Elevation last night and Bethel and Hillsong, and they're all pretty accurate, um, but their teaching from the pulpit is definitely not anything biblical at all. Um, so, yeah. So, Virginia, we'll, we'll stay with you for a second. Why don't we talk a little bit about the dangers of churches that play these music, that focus on this mm-hmm. music, and you see that it's by Bethel or Hillsong mm-hmm. or whatever. What does the average churchgoer do, and how can you kind of fall into um, looking down the path of where this music comes from? Actually, and if I can... Sorry, buddy. I'm, no, that's I mean, okay. I'm it, was just a, it was the perfect transition into it, but go ahead. Why not <laughs> knock it off the road? For, well, Virginia mentioned right before the podcast, she has her own experience, so she doesn't even have to speculate of what mm-hmm. it could be for somebody. She was mentioning her experience, and I would mm-hmm. love, I think that's very valuable as to where it led you. Sure. Yep. So um, to start, I didn't really have a good biblical understanding at all. So I think that if I would have been more sound in my faith, maybe this wouldn't have happened, but through listening to... Um, Specifically Bethel, I didn't really get into like Hillsong's teachings, but Bethel, their music led me into their teachings to the where I was pretty much every day listening to uh, a Bill Johnson sermon, and I was totally deceived. Like I wasn't even believing in the Jesus of Scripture. I don't know what I was believing in. Um, so it led me into deception for about two years um, until God graciously opened my eyes, and um, then I realized this isn't the truth. Um, Right. So, and I think that's, that's the number one concern I think we'd all agree with is either someone that's not saved or lost or someone who's a baby Christian or trying to learn and and learn doctrine and theology and they fall down these paths. Right. So why do you guys think as church leaders that this music is a catalyst to their teaching? Why can't they just, why can't you just listen to the music, enjoy the music and not go into their teaching? Well, I think this is a good topic because lyrics matter. What we say matters. And I love what John Piper says on this. He says, a congregation learns its theology and takes takes it into the crevices of their soul by the songs that they sing, not just by the preaching that they hear. Should we wrestle with this topic? Yes. Why? Because what we say, what we preach, what we sing, it absolutely matters. And I love hearing your story because that that's the fear for us as pastors is that uh, a new believer, a, a young believer, not well versed, not 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 good when it comes to discernment, would listen to this music and suddenly becomes a gateway drug into their ministry. Mm-hmm. And they even had—I don't know if it's a real prophecy—but someone comes to Bethel and prophesy and say, "Your music will be what leads people into our movement." So they even said that themselves. Um, and then their lyrics—if you listen to them without—you wouldn't maybe realize this—but they are like verbatim what they believe in and what they teach from the pulpit. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's issue number one, because there's. What's issue number one, that it leads to their teaching? No, no, no. No, I was going to say issue number one is the church had never has a right to sing heresy. Right. Like we never have a right to sing heresy. doesn't matter who wrote it. John Piper. the lyrics you're saying. John Piper could write something, not that he does, but he could write something that's wrong. He wouldn't. Yeah, right. Uh, At least not on social stuff. Anyway. um, But uh, but, uh, anyway, he could write something and. You you don't have no we don't have a right. It doesn't matter who they are. Right. Um, and so what, what we, do, we need to do is we need to examine the songs that come out. Because um, like Tim said, and this goes back all the way to the Reformation. Everyone thinks of the Reformation as like this this bastion of doctrinal integrity and mm-hmm. rec- recovering the gospel, and it is. And they did that through teaching and writing, but they also did this, especially Luther through song. It was meant to catechize the church. It was meant to instruct the church, and we all know that a song gets stuck in our head way quicker than like a Bible verse or a book that we're reading. And so if my kid is learning something that's not doctrinally sound, just to be clear here, because some people might get upset by this or offended, 
either we have, we talked about this for you, that we have a Christian faith or we don't have a Christian faith. And if we do, there's boundaries that we don't get to put in place that God has put in place of what defines what Christianity is. And if we start seeing stuff that's outside of those boundaries, now we're misrepresenting the faith to others. And then I would argue, more importantly, we're misrepresenting the faith before the Lord. Like the Lord is not glorified through porous theology that we sing to him or that we preach about him. He's not glorified about that. He's not happy that we might've quote unquote, won somebody for the kingdom by watering down or tampering with the gospel through song or through proclamation. So that's number one. I think I, hopefully anybody listening will evaluate that because before we even get into our money supporting right, these right. movements I don't get there or, yet, but I just want to confirm. Or, or, or leading people along, like Virginia said, right. to, to connect, which is some people might never, they might see Bethel and fine print or Hillsong and I never go and connect with the movement, mm-hmm. but still we cannot sing bad theology. And so a lot of it, like Virginia said, is bad theology. However, the rest of the conversation veers into what about the 20 or 30 or 50% that is not bad theology exactly. from, from these movements? Do we have liberty then to sing and listen to that music? So when you said that's the first thing, you meant the lyrics? Yes, the okay. lyrics themselves. Yeah. Okay, so heretical lyrics, those songs are out. I think we can all agree with that, especially in church, right? Yep. I do want to take it a step further after we get through all the the should this be sung in church, but I guess so we can get to the second step now. What about the good theology, the songs that that are fine, that do uh, measure up to the muster? Are those okay to sing in church? This is this is this is the topic. I think more so than the first question, because I think we all we all agree that bad theology, singing bad theology, preaching it that that can never, should never, ever happen in the church. But we have lost members, church members. I have lost friends, people who've come to my church because this has come up. Uh, you. You sang a Bethel song in church last week. You sang a Hillsong church. Why? And so we get into this, this debate and we've had people leave the church. And I'm, I, I don't know if you guys have as well. Unfortunately, it, it has happened where we, we so take you guys the approach. Sing, so you guys do sing Bethel and Hillsong songs. Aaron, what, have, what has your decision been with Building 28? Just like a flat out, yes, we do. No, we don't. We do so very cautiously. Okay. We pick the songs and we... And you're not supposed to do this. We have we've changed lyrics in the songs before because like I didn't Virgin- want to step on Tim though. That's yeah. why no, I no, yes or no. Like, so like, like Virginia said, I mean, there are times where you're singing it and the the idea of universalism starts to bleed through. Right. And you're like, no, 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 like we gotta change that. Not everyone is going Jesus didn't redeem everyone on the cross. Like not everyone's going to heaven. And so you have to shift that around. Now we've kind of stopped doing that for the most part because I found out you're not really supposed to be doing that. And so it's tough because these are great artists. Like they're writing some really good music and some of what they say, even sometimes much of what they say is good, but we can't once again sing. And so it's with a lot of caution. We probably do maybe two Bethel songs by one of their artists, primarily Jeremy Riddle. um, And we probably do maybe two Hillsong uh, anthems. Okay. I I wouldn't say that they're a regular part of our rotation, but they do come up and we have lost uh, members of our church as a result. And we take the approach of evaluating the song, because if we were going to evaluate the artist, then we would also have to go back in time and evaluate every hymn writer. And we would have to evaluate every theologian that we quote, which we do all of these things, but we also know that they're all human beings and they're very, very flawed. And there there are issues with with probably most authors, singers, songwriters, bands that if we went back and dug far enough, because what we're going <laughs> to, what we see happening is this, this Christian cancel culture. And we're, we love calling out bad theology. Like it's, it's so much fun to do on social media to, to call out this heretic, but we, we don't always love encouraging others for whatever reason. I think maybe it's just easier and it's more fun. So I don't mind having this conversation with church members. I, this is a great case study here because this is my fear that we sing a Bethel song and suddenly someone gets sucked into grave soaking. Someone gets sucked into the Bethel school of witchcraft and, and wizardry. And any any school of witchcraft and not 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 any. Not any. I mean, there's there's, there's there's an okay one, but that, that's Hogwarts. that's that's the big fear. <laughs> so for me as pastor, it's okay. How can we be good students of scripture? How can we practice discernment? Do I need to preach or teach into this? And then and then I fall back on another. John Piper thought, and and that is, uh, we have so many songs to choose yeah. from. Why mm-hmm. would we go there? And and I've been I've been convicted about that yeah. in the past because I think we do have a lot of good, deep, theologically rich, Jesus centered, big God focused songs, and yet sometimes we'll still drift towards these 
questionable mm-hmm. song. So, so why do we do that? Are we, are we playing yeah, to? Because I, I, I used to make the same argument that, okay, Horatio Spafford, the writer of it as well, like fell off, became a universalist. Right. Um, the guy, I can't remember his name, that wrote Come Thou Fount, completely erred from the faith, <laughs> the, abandoned the faith, you know. And so I'm like, if they did it and we still sing these anthems. But then the more I really consider that, I think there's a flaw in that argument in that there's a major flaw. <laughs> no one's going to look up Horatio Spafford to care what he what he cared about in the 1880s. But should like, we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, maybe they would, but like no one in our culture today. But they are, like Virginia said, being led to discover. Like Brian right. Brian Houston is a is a dynamic, energetic, charismatic leader. Bill Johnson, Stephen Furtick. Right. Uh, Joy, I mean, and, and the list goes on because they run in the circles with T.D. Jates and Joyce Meyer and, and Joel Osteen and, and many of these. Um, there's no other way of saying it, false teachers. And um, and so if you start leading them towards some of these, I mean, Bill Johnson, every single false teacher has taught at Hillsong, Sydney. Like they all have at some point in time. And so if we sing a song that's written 300 years ago by a guy who really struggled with his faith, I mean, William Cowper tried to commit suicide like eight times right. um, and wrote some of the, the best hymns that we sing today. Um, now, granted, he never abandoned the faith like some of the other hymn writers did, but people are not being led to their theology and espousing the theology of a hymn writer necessarily. I don't think that's hardly ever happening, but right. they they are much so doing this with Hillsong and Bethel. Right, and, I, and there's, another, there's another factor we'll get to with that, but Virginia, as a member, and you can go ahead and throw out whatever you were going to say, but as a member, somebody who's been a member of different churches, switched churches, moved churches, would you leave a church because they sang a Bethel song, a Hillsong song, whatever it may be? Yeah, I, I did. Oh, yeah. so that is, mm-hmm. so that, so you would? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. this week, she left Building 28, <laughs> <Yeah>. Anna. <laughs> no, but I was going to ask um, your opinion, Aaron, yeah. and yeah. your opinion too. Sure. So there's a song, many songs by Bethel that kind of like we were saying before, the lyrics are accurate, but they're singing them for a different reason and it means something else to them. Yeah. Mm. Um, for instance, the song that I was thinking of yesterday, Our Father by Bethel, is just going through the prayer um, of Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. But to them, it doesn't mean what it would mean to us reading yeah. those um, verses in the, in the Bible. Like to them, they actually believe that they are bringing heaven to earth now. And so when they say repeatedly in that song, let heaven come, they literally think that they are bringing heaven on earth now. And yeah. to us, we wouldn't believe that. So it's a good question. I, I do think we um there needs to be a pause and and without we don't we don't have time to go into full detail. But I think that people are listening going, especially if they're not aware. Um right. some, somebody's listening and they're angry right now because they love Houston and they love I mean people love Furtick. Like mm-hmm. they love mm-hmm. the guy. And he he's is very dire, charismatic. He uh you know he is he's really smart mm-hmm. and he's got great sneakers. Always <laughs> like great sneakers. So always um so I think I think it's important. Once again, these three movements are not in conjunction necessarily, even though they all overlap on each other's stages. Like they'll mm-hmm. sing together, they'll the, yeah. the, the pastors will speak at each other's churches. Um, Bethel is the most egregious, it would seem, right. by by far by a long shot as far as overtly what they teach. Yeah. Um, Tim's already joked about grave smoking. He was actually. Out at the cemetery this morning, laying, laying on a tomb. Let's talk about um, it. what is the bad theology. So, so what okay. is the heretical there's theology? So and, and ser- and ser- we there's don't have time there's to a lot. Mention some. So there's there's weird practicality too. Like the, the like the grave soaking is a legitimate thing where they will go to the cemetery of a pastor, especially somebody who was very instrumental in the. And we'll get into what word of faith movement is here in a second. But in the word of faith, prosperity preaching, name it and claim it movement, and they'll lay on their tomb. To like, soak like up their, yeah. their anointing. Like you can find pictures of it online where they're laying there. Bill Johnson's wife. Now, Bill Johnson condemned it publicly in an interview, I think. But then he wrote about it in one of his books. And, and his so wife. condemn it as he said. It's not something we, we, we do regularly, but it is something that they do. They do, yes. And so there's a picture. I think there's a picture of his wife. She admits it that of laying there on somebody's grave trying to soak up the anointing from. It'd be like me going to Jonathan Edwards' grave and trying to soak right. up the anointing from the Great Awakening that was there. That's just bizarre. But not only is it bizarre, it's it is a practice of the occult. Demonic. It's demonic. Yes. <laughs> so like, like that's something that they would do uh in occultic practice. So that's weird. The so there's weird, weird, bizarre, you could argue creepy. I mean, some people have talked about like the romanticized lyrics. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. bother me we're, as much. We're not gonna do them here. I think they're weird. Right. But are they like unbiblical? Are we gonna drive a stake in the ground that you that can't see? That kind of goes rem- to what Virginia was saying, though. I feel yeah. like 
if you re- if you sing those songs certain ways, you can see how they have biblical backing, and you're talking about Jesus or God like that. It can be a little weird. And, and some creepy, of the psalms but... are kind of romantic, right, right, right. And how the psalmist writes about the Lord right. and his relationship right. with the Lord. So, what about like the supernatural healing schools that they go to? Mm. Yeah. Have you experienced that? Um, kind of. So the what I used to believe is like I think Bethel is the extreme of the Word of Faith movement. They take it to as far as they can go. Mm-hmm. So I used to believe that you could be healed and then by someone laying their hands on you or like going to, sounds so crazy now, but like a, a healing conference. And so, yeah, Bethel definitely um, is the extreme of that. I've been to concerts or I don't even know what they call them, um, conventions where they, that's part of it. Um, yeah. And the Hillsong you, the Hillsong like singer trying to bring her baby back from the dead for seven days. Oh no, that was Bethel. That was Bethel. Oh, that was Bethel. Oh, okay. So sad. And yeah, it was so really weird. And, and if you if you look at that, that, little girl's name was Olive. Olive. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you look at that, they were not even praying right. that Jesus raised him from the dead. They were declaring, Demanding. and that's that's the essence of the word yeah. of faith is right. that because we are, and, and this is no joke for anybody listening, Bill Johnson describes that we are little gods. Yes. Mm-hmm. That Jesus was a little God. He was not actually God. Like there's actually, theology. there's actually, yeah, there's a quote by, by Bill Johnson. I think is yeah. really important where he says, um, Jesus was the, the best man who ever existed and, but, but not as God. I right? have there, the quote. Here. You have the quote. Yeah. Can you read that? Cause I, I mean, it's a direct two. quote. So, yeah. Um, Jesus completely emptied himself of his divinity and performed miracles only as a man in right relationship to God. Mm. Therefore we can perform the same miracles. And then he also wrote in, um, his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, if he performed miracles because he was God, then they would be unattainable for us. And for us to become all that God intended, we must remember that Jesus's life was a model of what mankind could become if it were in right relationship with the Father. And I think that he is kind of right in saying that he, that those miracles would be unattainable for us. We're not supposed to be like Jesus in that sense. We're not supposed to be able to do Because we're not divine. And I think that's that's the issue here is, is it's not healing. Like somebody could come on here and be more charismatic and and I'm, I'm continual in my, in my, Mm -hmm. my, understanding of the gifts of the spirit. God can heal. Sure. And, and we could argue he does at times in, this, right. in our context and culture. The problem here with Bethel, and then I would even say with, with Hillsong and more subtly with Elevation, because they all buy into this word of faith, mm-hmm. name it and claim it. Christianity is they all, all have right. a prosperity gospel. Yeah, they all have sure. a prosperity yes. like like the. And here's the issue: the primary intent that God has for your life is for you to be successful and right. wealthy and healthy, and that not only is it unbiblical, your whole your whole worldview begins to unravel when you're not healthy yes. and prosper- right. uh, prosperous and, mm-hmm. and successful and, and, uh, and in good health. So that's, that's, there, there's big issues here. When Bill Johnson, for example, again, preaches, he has a clip called The Full Gospel that's out there. Mm. And in that five-minute clip, he never mentions Jesus, sin, salvation, never repentance, like, like the resurrection. Like never, that's, that's an issue with all these movements. They hardly ever talk about sin. And when they do, sin is a barrier that keeps you from living your best life that right. you can live instead of it's a, it's a affront to a holy God right. um, that offends him. And so it's, it's more, it's all, it's all about us again. Um, Which to, they do to draw people in, get the crowds, yeah. get the masses, get people there. Everybody sure. wants to come when they take their offerings. I wrote down what, what they say is, God give us jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, yep. favorable settlements, estates. It's just like so weird. Mm-hmm. And it's so obvious. It's like it's like when you're interviewing for a job, you can make a lot of money here. Right. You could do really well here if you work hard, if you do this. And that's what they're trying to do. And it just draws people because that's what people are looking for, especially with yeah. religion a lot. And that's the danger of kind of going down that path is they really can suck you in. Sure. And we've talked about in a lot of podcasts how that can be worse than just about anything. False gospel is about the worst thing. Yeah. False teachers, right. like there's almost not much worse. You know, if you're in a cult that's worshiping Satan, it's pretty easy to be like, no, look at what the Bible says. This yeah. is different. But if you're at a church like this and you're blindfolded running off a cliff, it's a lot harder to try to point to the yeah. Bible because they'll be like, oh, he explains that as this. Or my pastor explains that that means this. And then now but It's because they're ba- bad interpretation leads to bad application. So yeah. when you have a bad interpretation of scripture, which is what we see running rampant at Bethel, more so than elevation, right? We're lumping these guys in. We yeah, got to yeah, be really careful. Yeah. So I went to an elevation service uh, three years ago. I was How in the area. You. I just said, you know, this will be kind of cool. Let's just go have some fun. Got a free T-shirt, uh, worn it once. But Where? I will say, um, <laughs> I teared up in service when they cut to students getting baptized and sharing how Jesus rocked their world. 
like mid-service, they had a, a really cool baptism section where teenagers were just saying how Jesus had changed their lives and they, were, and they were just dunking and praising Jesus. And I'm like, okay, I, I went there with the most critical heart imaginable and left completely wrecked because of how much I had judged them before. And, so, so and the court worked on them. preached All right. a little oh. Jesus. I'm like, oh, okay. But were they... What were they celebrating, though, that he would that he saved them from their sins or that he's going to give them a, an awesome life? Because I think that's they, they what didn't they get, teach they a did, lot of times. They do. And I, I, will, yeah. I will give you that. They do. I'm just saying when I was there, my experience on that particular Sunday, it was very little prosperity and mm-hmm. it was more Jesus than I was expecting, which which well, was he is very is evangelistic. Nice. But it's like that's very. that's it. Yeah. He's like evangelistic right. and he doesn't think teaching deeper doctrine is important because right. all we want to do is be really smart and learn about God and none of us actually want to go out and talk about God. So right. they focus all their attention on going out and talking about God, which is great in an aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it also is so much an aspect of the prosperity gospel, money, growth, oh, for sure. fame, power. Yeah, and that's no, why these yeah. pastors no get question. so big that it's right. so hard to not keep I think doing I think that. it's a really important for anybody listening to, to know that there are many soft. We call I, we call them here soft churches, meaning that they they don't go deeper than like level two maybe of Christianity right. if they're if they even go there. And uh and you know f- since since it's it's opening days, Fertig just made it clear that they exist for evangelization, which is not really why the church exists. Like the church, like the local church should exist for discipleship and worship. Right. Um. But like here's here's the thing when you when we're evangelizing, the bigger issue here is not if they're soft. Like we can disagree there, but I would still say. Hey, that's that. There's a value in a in a soft preaching church. Like, like yep. it might introduce people. It's what Jesus or is Furtick or anybody else presenting. So I have I have a couple of pastor friends in Charlotte who I really respect. Great guys, mm. older guys, wise guys. They're not the type to just like cap off on somebody. They say that uh, they get a lot of people from Elevation. They have friends, former friends of Furtick that say he plans out every word he's going to speak, which is not unheard of in Christianity, for especially for these big name preachers to plan every single word. And so when Furtick last year, year before, said that Jesus left so that he could change forms and become the Holy Spirit. Right. That's modalism. Right. And it's no surprise because he hangs out with T.D. Jakes a lot, who modalist. is a modalist. Yep. Um, and so we're not just talking about a watered down version of Christianity. We're talking about a stripped away Christianity at times that is completely humanistic. It's it's just all about how my life can be better, how I'll get the victory, how I don't need to erect the walls of Jericho around my heart and let, let God tear this down. Like that is not, that's not leading people into truth faithfully. And then you throw in these sprinklings of heresy where he's saying Jesus changes forms or Jesus can't can't overcome our unbelief, which is another famous sermon clip of his. Jesus can't overcome our belief. Jesus can't do what he wants to do. Like that's just wrong theology. And it's leading people astray by the, I mean, he has millions of followers. And so there's, while I agree with Tim, Bethel is the most extreme here. Hillsong definitely teaches a word of faith, man-centered theology um, that is all about you being healthy and wealthy and prosperous, um, especially so that the church can be wealthy and prosperous, um, the Hillsong Church meeting. And then you have Fertig. They they are all different, but they overlap in that they're teaching something that's dangerous to the church. And there's some good debates like in the past with Matt Chandler and him and Back sure. in the day, I remember watching. You can go them. back to Elephant Room, and, and yeah, and, it's really interesting to yep. just hear them all kind of sit in a room and talk. And you can mm-hmm. get a lot of respect from people that differ, but you can also see the problems yep. with what they're doing, and then you can see how different it is now, ten years ish later, whenever that was. So let's move on to kind of the next problem with singing it in church and putting it up on your screens and putting it up um, in the PowerPoint presentation. Wait, so with, let's, before before we move on, okay. so. You will do some of these songs by these artists, but with extreme caution. I think we should. Extreme caution. And we actually, a lot of times, will talk, not not as much in service, but talk to different people, especially if they ever raise a question. But even if it comes up just in casual conversation, we'll talk about the dangers of Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel, of not following the movements. We try to be very proactive with that, even if we... That's good. And I'll be honest, this is a kind of fluid situation with me. Like, Mm -hmm. I I have felt myself... Um, so if anybody listened to last season's podcast, me and you, I was the raging kind of more liberal on those you saying, were. saying drinking and cursing and 
I wasn't. I was stunned. Well. Yeah, I know, man. I would be stunned. I was too. offended. Um, but but uh, but in some areas, especially when it comes to like the veracity of scripture and us defending scripture, we're becoming so diluted today that if it's if it's a, if it's a, li- a liberty issue, like we talked about last season, I I'm I'm typically a person that's going to say let's let's engage in that if we're not being you know, a stumbling block if we're not offending the Lord. But if it is a doctrinal issue where the the legitimately the souls of individuals are at stake here. Um, and, and then what they're regurgitating to others about who Jesus is. And if Jesus is not the son of God, as Bill John, or not God in flesh, as Bill Johnson would say, right. or Jesus is changing modes and the Holy Spirit's here now, where's Jesus then? If the Holy Spirit's here now, why are we even worshiping Jesus unless it's just past tense Jesus? Like that's very confusing. It's very alarming. And I think it's leading a lot of souls that are being potentially baptized into mm-hmm. a falsified version of Christianity, into a false claim of faith. Mm-hmm. So, so, yes, but with caution and with teaching caution. into it and yeah. discernment, yeah. I would say that's where we land as well. We've also started writing a lot more of our own stuff, and we have a, a great writing process where we'll write. It'll come over to me for final approval. I have actually sent it out. I should send some to you every now and then just for final yeah. approval from area pastors to make sure, hey, there's a word here that could be changed. It should be changed. This. So I agree. Lyrics matter. Can these songs be sung in church, which is the you know one of the titles of this podcast? Uh I would argue with, um, is it Jesus-centered, God-glorifying, big picture of God? Could we, with discernment, sing? The, yes. Should we? Yeah, I would land with Piper saying there's no reason to, personally. Right. I don't run a church, but personally, I, I would not. I would, I would just so go many away. Better you feel? I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why. We, if we have to qualify all this stuff and mm-hmm. teach into it, whatever, I, I just don't think it's worth it. And just for the one person at a church— that may end up falling down the path of listening to them more than they listen to you guys. Then now we're just creating an issue that I don't really think we need to do. And like you said, with a lot of the hymn writers, they don't do that. So it's not that type of issue. But what about the copyright and the money part? And if you put their stuff up on your screen and people are going and listening now to their podcasts or their sermons or going to their websites and they're making money and growing larger and affecting more people and gaining more followers, how does that aspect kind of right, come so the into ar- play? The argument there is, should I listen to this because it is promoting them? When I right. hit that play on that stream, it's sending right. them money. So then the argument on the flip side is, should I hit play on that Netflix episode because there's a producer, writer, director who's making money, who's incredibly hold worldly? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to keep this separate, okay? Right now, we're talking about church leaders. Should churches do this on Sunday? I want a second half. 15 minute okay. conversation of what should Christians do individually. Okay, I was moving into stuff. the, the right, Christian right, right. I want to wait because I've got a ton of discussion about that. Right. But just you guys as church leaders and then as church members, how you would feel okay. about them putting it up on the screen with the copyright, knowing people are going to later go want to go listen to it. And you're kind of promoting that as churches. Uh, we don't we don't put up the copyright. And I just tell everyone we're singing the Shane and Shane version. <laughs> we actually kind of do the same thing. We uh, like, when, when we I'm do I'm kind a, of not joking. We, no, when we do a set list Saturday. Um, Maddie will put it up, our communications director. And uh, I, t- I tell her, like, direct people. When you put the artist, direct them to somebody else who does the song. Me too. A lot of those, a lot yep. of those songs were written by four different artists. Mm-hmm. Like, there, were, there was a collaboration. Of, we sang know. Ain't No Grave, which Bethel did a rendition of. But the artist I put up on screen and on our playlist was Johnny Cash. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know he did that one. Yeah. He was, he, was, he was the one who made it famous. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Johnny Cash made Ain't No Grave famous. So we, we said that. For yeah, the I mean, I, I think, and I, I don't think, the, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because these artists do it. Yeah. We're actually playing a, a much more similar version to the one that they're playing. Not Maybe not Johnny Cash, but <laughs> Shane and Shane are one of those guys. Um, and I, I want to do everything I can to not encourage our people down a path of listening to most of Elevation Hillsong uh, Bethel's most popular songs are redone by multiple artists. Mm-hmm. So you can direct them to different artists yeah. who are doing this. Like Shane and Shane are legit. Like they're Agreed. theologically sound and they redo a ton of Bethel and Hillsong's yeah. anthems. And so putting up by Shane and Shane, hopefully people, if they like the song, will go listen to Shane and Shane exactly. and not be led into the movement. Now, I know that there's a risk there. And so, Virginia, how do you feel when, when oh, like, so we introduced here recently All Hail King Jesus? Which is Jeremy Riddle? Mm, I didn't know that. Okay. I don't, oh, now, now you're I never going to see. You're going to be on the front row this Sunday, arms crossed. Just <laughs> we lost there. I do like that song though. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that though, but I did. Like the first time we came here, you guys sang a Hillsong song, and I went to sing one of the verses, and you changed it, and I was like, oh, okay. But I liked that you did that. That was our it, hook. 
Yeah. Yeah. That did get you in. Yeah. I liked it though. Um, but I would, I mean, I don't have any say in what you do here, but I would prefer that we didn't sing those songs, honestly. Yeah. Just just the voice of two members at your church. Yeah. That's all. Hey. Damn. Just Indeed. because I would never but believe recommend... me by the time this by the time this episode airs, we might not be doing it anymore. <laughs> well, I've just been I've been on a journey. Do. Believe me, I'm, I'm on a journey. And I'm like I've always been for, and so is Tim. Like we're right. for doctrinal integrity. Like yeah. we want like yes. to catechize our people well. We never would want to lead a soul down a path yeah. of. Absolutely. And not. so I have justified it in many different ways, mm-hmm. which I still wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Of you know, you can direct them to different artists who do this song. The lyrics are sound in the songs we're doing. Like they're sound, they're solid. Right. Like they're they're passionate, like, but then I go, man, if there's just that one person. I agree. And I think that's the difference between having to make decisions to stuff. actually run a church because you're thinking about all sorts of different things and then mm-hmm. us just thinking as church members. But to transition to the second part, which may not be fair and may be contradicting and we can talk to or hypocritical, how do you feel about the individual Christian making these decisions outside of church, right? Whether I'm listening to their songs on Pandora or Spotify or whatever, and I decide to listen to them and I worship personally, you know, by listening to these songs, singing these songs. How do you feel about that? Well, we can, let's start with them and then we'll get to how you feel about it. And I'll talk about just how I feel about it as a normal member of a church. But as church leaders, well, how do you feel about, you know, uh, helping them make money, you know, helping them make, be famous, you know, and people listening to focusing on worshiping through the lyrics that they're singing their songs that aren't changed. And we're looking at Hillsong or Bethel or whatever on the Pandora screen, knowing it's from them. How does that make you feel? How would you guide the members of your church and Christians listening? So I was talking to just yesterday, one of those pastor friends from up in Charlotte, and he is, he's a great guy. And I was telling him that uh, one of the blessings of the last 15, 16 months of all the turmoil and upheaval and COVID hitting and is that it has in many ways purified churches, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it has made, it has driven a wedge that needed to be driven. Like Tim mentioned at the outset of the episode about how we we fight and we bicker within Christianity, and that's true and sometimes unnecessary. But I think there needed to be a, a more glaring divide, not between Baptist and Presbyterian or right. Calvinist and Arminian necessarily, as it needed to be between those who are holding to an uncompromised Jesus, like the true Jesus of Scripture, and those who are not. And so I think that's why we've gotten so many more of these questions over the last six, eight months is that um, by God's grace, and he always does this through pain and affliction in society, COVID has opened people's eyes. Um, They were shut down, then they start opening up. And all these conversations we've had to have about how to serve the church and Mm -hmm. how to be the church and what Christians should believe um, when it comes to social justice, when it comes to race, when it comes to COVID, when it comes to wearing masks, all these different things have, have begun to lead us back to, hopefully, Scripture again and again, where we're going, you know, um, this is where we have to stand. And then we start to realize, hopefully in a non-snarky way that, man, some of the people that I've respected most teaching-wise, music-wise are not standing like where we are on this. And Mm -hmm. so I do think that there are are people in this who are saying, um, I'm not at liberty. I, I used to listen to this stuff. I'm not at liberty to listen to this anymore. And I'm certainly not at liberty, whether it's my church or me individually, to send resources to an organization who's not just off on, because I mean, I think Sproul said that when we get to heaven, we'll all realize, well, he was quoting Calvin, but Calvin said, we'll realize we were 20% wrong. And, you know, um, but when we're talking about people that are 80, 90% wrong, according to scripture, not just according to my opinion, but according to scripture, like how can we funnel money that way? And this is a, this is a dilemma that I'm facing as a Christian. Like when I pull them up on Amazon music and, and listen to them or that I'm facing as as a as a pastor from our church when we have to CCLI this stuff and send in who we're seeing to CCLI each month. Um, that that's a that's a great dilemma. And and I appreciate so Tim brought up earlier, you know, Netflix and stuff like that, but there's a clear delineation in my mind between that which is overtly, for lack of a better word, secular. Like nobody is being deceived that Netflix is a Christian organization. Right. Like they're just like, but you're still giving them your money. Yeah, you are. You are. So you're promoting, you're promoting a false gospel, quote unquote, in a way, even though they're not using the word Jesus, they're promoting this whole humanistic view of recover yourself and find your best you and all that, that, that Joel Osteen uses and just slaps Jesus name on it Mm -hmm. um, as, as the catalyst for that. And so, but, but I don't think, even though we're sending money, my argument would be, I don't think most Christians are going to Netflix or Amazon or big tech and going, I think that they're. Christian and I can trust them, they're they're funneling money toward that or wherever they're funneling, Apple, Target, right. no, knowing that 
I'm doing this because I need a resource from them. It's not shaping my soul. When they go to Hillsong, the music or even the teaching, Bethel, Elevation, Jesus culture, whatever, they're going there so their soul can be fed, so their soul can be uplifted in this supposed truth or emotional weight. And so I agree with you that, like, that we funnel our money. We have to funnel our money at times toward organizations we would not support. But if that organization is preaching a Galatians 1, 8, and 9 version of a falsified damnable gospel, the argument becomes more, more robust in my mind of, of trying to avoid them. I haven't reached that conclusion like completely yet that we cannot um, listen to any of their music, but I would say I'm I'm All right, more well, I'm closer right, so you there. I'm closer there than, right, but than you I wouldn't, you wouldn't stand on stage and preach. You know, this is a sin to go down this road and listen to this music and support and give them money by listening to their music. No, no, I don't. I don't think we could faithfully preach that. And since we're on the topic of music, I mean, if you're going to make that argument that music is we're listening to music to edify and, and uplift. Does that mean we can't listen to any artists outside of any secular music, any at all. secular music, just because music is a gateway and it's part of what we need and fuel for our or soul. Or Justin Bieber's new uh, gospel album. Tell my wife she can't listen to it. <laughs> I don't know about Justin Bieber, but I do know that he was closely linked with Hillsong New York. And so the theology is probably not going to be most canceled Bieber. You canceled Bieber a long <laughs> yeah, right. time ago. I get that. Um, no, I, I would say this once again, when I, when I go to listen to, uh, I used to be a, a huge, huge, I can't remember their name, a Counting Crows fan. Like, huge. You Counting did not. Crows. Yes, I did. I love Counting Crows. Okay. Um, but when I would go listen to Adam Duritz sing a, uh, a song, I was, now, I once again, I would argue that everything, we've said this on many podcasts, everything's catechizing us, everything's sure. instructing us. Sure. We have to be incredibly careful when we're watching television, watching Apple TV or Netflix, watching, you know, listening to whatever music that, that right. our souls are on guard against what we're hearing. Mm -hmm. But it's far easier to be on guard when Counting Crows is singing a song or Maroon 5 or whoever. And you're now, and some Christians make an argument you can't listen to any of those. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't make that argument. But I think we have to do it with discernment. But the closer we get to truth, the more difficult discernment becomes. Like, so when Maroon 5 is singing about like so, something that you're Sunday just like- Sunday morning rain is falling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. When, they're, when they're singing about something that you're like, this this is, this is not portraying a Jesus worthy of worship to us. You're, you're not having to like use discernment of, hey, are, are they like, are they Christian? Are they, are they doctrinally upright? But when I'm listening to, and, and let's just be real, like most Christian, a lot of Christians, they don't read their Bible very much and right. they're not very doctrinally astute. Right. And so they're just being led into this very wishy-washy kind of love bubble Jesus of, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's the worship songs that you could say, is this about God or my girlfriend, right? Yeah, like the right. God or girlfriend argument there. Virginia. But, 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 yeah. So that, anyway, that's, that's where I would say there's a difference between like most of us don't go to the the secular artists to feed our souls. We do go to Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, whoever to, to help. What, what do you think? Just as a Christian living life, mm -hmm. listening to these songs, just in the car or whatever it may be, how do you feel about it? How do you kind of make that decision and navigate that water? I personally don't listen to any of that music anymore just to protect my heart and soul. Just don't think there's any uh, reason to. There's so many other better songs to listen to. But And you, you made the point earlier too that – you know what they believe. Mm -hmm. And so yes. it's hard probably right. for you to hear those songs. Yes. Now, I, I'm a, as a musician, semi-musician, um, and Tim here is he a musician. We, we, uh, I take artistic liberty and, and I feel mm -hmm. like most, most composers would say that we have liberty to do that, even in the mm -hmm. Christian realm, where I know too, like when we're singing All Hail King Jesus and we sing All Hail the Savior of the World, that, that, without getting into too much nuance, Bethel means something very different by that. I actually than thought about I, that. that then I mean time. by that. Yeah. Um, I, I believe, I believe that when revelation speaks of world and when scripture speaks of world, it's talking about a, a people group, select people group from every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation comprising the world. Right. Uh, and that's how scripture would typically speak. Not every single person, uh, you know, we're not universalist here. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're, we're not even, as our church anyway, where we stand, we're not even a universal redemption in the sense of Jesus dying salvifically mm -hmm. for every single person. And so, but I interpret it very different. I don't know if you guys do that, Tim, where you come across something, you're just like, all right, I, I think I know what they probably meant by this. Mm -hmm. But we, myself, our leaders, our people are going to interpret this yeah. differently. Uh, and the same with like, come thou fount. Like he, he, was, he was one that believed you can lose your salvation, that mm -hmm. hymn writer. So he mm -hmm. said, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. We sing it here, and I know by thy good pleasure. Because right. there's a security 
uh, in salvation that is ours. And so we don't have to like always be wondering, am I going to fall from this? Am I going to lose my salvation? But I think there is some artistic liberty a little bit that can be Mm -hmm. taken in that um, where there's different ways of looking at a word as long as that's, it's not like teaching strip heresy and interpreting it differently. But I respect the fact that you're like, hey, I'm not even going to listen to this. I'll be honest, in my personal time, I don't really listen I, hardly, I hardly do any worship so music. I I do listen to some of their I think Hillsong is really the only one that's like on mm-hmm. a couple of my play songs like Ocean or or Hosanna or so, sure. songs like that but I think from my perspective looking at this as just a member of a church a Christian trying to make the best decisions is it's a Christian liberty just like anything else just like we talked about drinking cussing mm-hmm. whatever it may be that I don't think the Bible outlaws and I also think a lot of it is what Virginia said and what you said where it's you're filtering it through. Like when I'm listening and I'm worshiping, whether in my car or playing golf or whatever it may be, and I have these songs in my ears, I'm worshiping through my theological lens. Like it's right. it's going through right. my my filter and my brain and my ears and coming out worship of my heart to the God I worship of the Bible and what I believe. And I mm-hmm. think that's totally fine. And that's actually, you know, like we've talked, things are either evil or or whatever, glorifying to God. And I feel mm-hmm. 100% satisfaction that I'm glorifying God through listening to these songs and singing these songs in my personal time. Well, how great is it that that we're wrestling with this topic? I, yeah. I'm thinking of my own childhood and student ministry. I would I would just sing to the top of my my lungs like a rose trampled above all. He thought of me above all. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even think of the theological heresy in that line. And I would have yeah. my hands up in church singing that song and hearing, you know, church members say, you know, wait yeah. a second, let, let's think about these lyrics here. Yeah. Like this is not a topic that we addressed growing up. And I love that this is a topic that we wrestle with in the church today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what I was going to say. When, when I started reading my Bible, because I really wasn't reading it back then, mm. When I started reading it, and the more I aligned myself to Scripture, I realized all these songs are me glorifying; they're not God glorifying. So, right. why would I worship a song to a song about myself? Essentially, there would be times I'd be in worship and we'd be singing a song, and I had trouble raising my hands because it was about me. Yeah. You know how? Why? Well, that's not surprising, and you know this. We, we, I think we all know this, but maybe listeners don't. All three of these movements do teach a mm-hmm. a hyped up version of us. Like yes. they, they struggle. We've already talked about they struggle with sin, but they also just struggle with like, they don't struggle. They kind of, they pretty much brazenly espouse that we're, we're good. Like we're, we're good people here trying to live this good life. Mm. And, um, yes. and that's extremely problematic because right. you devalue salvation when you don't think there's anything really to be right. saved what from. Like, like yeah, I'm not, I'm not that bad. Like I don't, I don't need a savior. Right. So Jesus is my friend. Now he's my buddy. He's here to like help me out, like mm-hmm. become my best me. But he's not like a redeemer who has right. rescued me from like the the pit of destruction right. um, from myself, from my own depravity, my mm-hmm. own hard heart. So uh, there's just a multiplicity of issues here. I will say when you were talking, Peter, I was thinking Shane and Shane, Tim mentioned them. They're great, solid, reformed guys from Watermark out in, in Dallas. Yeah. Um, like I would direct people to listen to their worship initiative. Yeah. But like. 25% of those songs are either from Bethel or Hillsong mm-hmm. or Elevation. And so I wouldn't have a problem. I skip those ones. <laughs> Virginia says this. And that's why I think like when we talk about Christian liberty, it is personal. Like it's different for somebody. Right. You know, it's different. You go to one person the next. And I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's a great explanation and illustration of it. Like what may be sin for her is not sin for me yes. with certain things, right? Yeah. There are certain things that are sin for everybody, right? But if she knows that that's going to cause her to stumble and go down that road, mm-hmm. she shouldn't listen to those songs. It literally has never crossed my mind. Like I've never looked into right. Hillsong Bethel. I've never been into that. Yeah. Like I usually can just see the guy. This may be bad for me, but I can like see the guy on stage. Be like, not my kind of thing. Like I don't even have to listen to what he says. Like now he's laying down on his podium with his head on the bottom, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm yeah. not gonna. It's not they my do kind that. of thing. It's yeah, it's just weird. weird. Do that this Sunday. I'm just like, and yeah. I have to make fun of you for it. So like, and, you're gonna and that's bring the your point. staff out and say you it's shall like, there not are certain pass. things that just don't connect to me. Yeah, and but they do to other people, and it will cause them to go down that path. And I think right. that's kind of the overarching theme of the podcast is. Mm-hmm. I think it would be unwise for church leaders to promote this stuff. I think the way you guys do it and try to hide it, shirk it, change it, explain it, whatever it may <laughs> be, to not, so to not push it down that road. Okay, fine. If you want to try to justify it that way, I think Virginia and I think it's unwise for church leaders to promote this to their flock and and your shepherd, you're supposed to protect your flock. But I think as individuals, we all agree that you do have a Christian liberty if you find yourself worshiping appropriately through the proper lens and filter to these mm-hmm. songs. Fine, because that's the other thing is I don't I don't put a lot of thought and I'm not putting this in front of anybody else. It's going into my ears. I'm only worried about my head, my heart, my ears. Mm-hmm. You are not yeah. when you're putting yeah, it Tim up. Tim and there. I have this this incredibly grave responsibility 
of we will stand before the Lord one day, as Hebrews says, mm-hmm. and while the church is called to like submit to and and follow us, we are called to shepherd the flock of God, Acts chapter 20, that he's made us overseers of. Right. And so we have to stand not just on a podcast and defend, like we're going to have to stand and defend why did I put Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, or anything, even if the lyrics were sound. So I heard a guy say, you know, you you wouldn't, you would not take a, if a bad organization wrote the doctrinally sound lyrics and you knew that organization, he was Planned Parenthood, but sure. you knew that organization's murdering babies. Would you support that? Like seeing those lyrics, so you're funneling money to that. And, and he argued that it's far worse to, I, I wouldn't say it's far worse. Uh, like there's nothing far worse than murdering babies, but um, that that it's it's equal to sending people's souls down a path where they can be and almost undoubtedly will be damaged through bad theology, through Mm -hmm. a poor representation of Jesus, um, through an anti-gospel. These are things we have to wrestle through. And I'm, like I've said throughout this podcast, I'm wrestling right now. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling through. If I'm honest, four or five, the four or five Bethel or Hillsong or Elevation songs we do are some of my favorites. We do a song by Elevation called Yours that is a God-glorifying anthem. It is the praise is yours, the honor is yours, the glory is yours. I mean, you you dissect every word, and we do that here. And that's what I would recommend for any pastor, any Christian, any worship leader. Like, think strongly on the words that you're saying, that you're communicating to others to sing back to the Lord. Whether you have liberty of listening to Hillsong or Elevation or Bethel, like, think through these words because there's there's garbage in them at times. But other times, like, man, it, it God did gift us music to lift our souls, especially right. when we're singing about his glory and his praise and his might and, and his salvation. Um, and and I would I think it's pretty clear that not every artist with Hillsong or Elevation agrees with the teaching, at least it seems the like that way. Right. It, they don't agree fully with the teaching that's funneling down from those organizations. And so we have to keep that in mind as well, potentially. All right. Yeah, I think that's just some wisdom to think on and make decisions and Make sure we're all protecting the hearts we need to protect. So yeah, Virginia, thanks for being thanks on. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Thank you. It was awesome. Awesome. When when I asked you, you said if, if you're all right with a quiet introvert being on the podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope so because that's me. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for being with us. It was awesome having you, Timmy. Always fun, man. Always fun. Let's do it again. Yeah, Until next time. All right. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.